we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 10. And hopefully you recall all that Hebrews chapters 1 to 9, uh, verses uh, uh, 1 to 18, uh, tell you. And we'll start at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Over to you, James, and I've touched your device, so who knows what it will do for you. <laughs> I guess it's okay. Well, you, yeah, you guess wrong. <laughs> wow, you leave something there to make things easier because you've broken your hand and people just touch stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've touched it. At least you told me. Where, where are we going here? What's going on? Okay. <laughs> right. Take a moment. Okay. Hands up who loves church? Wrong answer. Hands up who loves church? Cast or not, put it in the air. If you don't, then if you're not into putting hands up in church, it's all right. You can just kind of... But everybody's hand should be up who loves church. But have you ever really thought about why? I know I've just peer pressured some of you into saying that you love church. But uh, have you ever thought why you love coming to church? It might be the free tea and coffee that you get afterwards. Or it might be because uh, your kids are taught God's word every week. Uh, it might be that you love to worship and you love to sing. Uh, it might be lots of different reasons, but most people have probably never stopped and paused and thought, why do we love church? But people nowadays have got lots of different ideas about church, don't they? They say that people, some people, uh, hopefully not you, would say they're going to church when actually they're going to watch their favorite sports team, going to worship their own gods uh, with, a small, wrong, uh, with a small G, uh, when really... Uh, church is a special thing, church is a unique thing, and church is a holy and sacred thing. Amen? Good. We love church. It's special, it's unique, it's holy, and it's sacred. God's people, you, me, and us, capital G, uh, gathering, assembling as one to pray, to worship, to hear from him, is a, is a special thing, is a unique thing, is a holy and sacred thing. And if we believe that the, uh, the closed canon 
of the, the Bible, these 66 books that make the one big book, if we believe that this is the Word of God, we do hear from God every week when somebody faithfully and rightly handles this truth. And the three people that are speaking for the next three Fridays have no doubt that they handle this properly and you will hear God speaking because they will rightly and faithfully divide uh, His Word for us. Again, church is special, unique, it's holy and sacred. And church really is people. Church is the people. You look behind me, there's a big thing there that says school. We're in a school, but church is the, the people. Church is one another. Uh, it's a place, church is a place to belong, to contribute to, not just to take from. Uh, but people have got all sorts of ideas about church, and they throw the term around all too easily. Uh, for example, uh, you may, may or may not have heard this song. There's a song called Take Me to Church. Some people are nodding. If you're not nodding, it's fine. It's just it's not that good. But uh, Take Me to Church is about relationships. It's a bad song. The title is good. Uh, so as a bit of a secondary goal this morning, we are going to reclaim this phrase, Take Me to Church, because church is a special thing. Church is a unique thing. Church is a holy and sacred thing. And people use church in ways that they shouldn't use church, but we're going to use the word church properly. Are you with me? But that's not really why we gather, is it? To, like, to, to trash terrible songs. But anyway, this song, Take Me to Church, some of it is, is actually uh, quite good. Good God, let me give you my life. Take me to church. Now, if, if, if we said that to one another, God is good all the time, all the time. That, you know, the little back and forth thing, that's not a bad thing for us to say. Let me give you my life. I'm sure we sing songs where that's part of it. We respond to God's holiness and, 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 his, and his wonder with our life. So we've said that before. Take me to church. I know all your kids every Friday at 9.30, they're at the door, shoes on, teeth brushed, hair brushed, saying take me to church. Obviously. They're not screaming and kicking in the bedroom. But good God, let me give you my life. Take me to church. But people use this word church and they're not talking about, about this so again, as a bit of a secondary goal, this morning we're going to reclaim this phrase, take me to church. But the bigger thing, the bigger question that we're going to answer is why do I need to go to church? Why do we, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to be this? And for some of you guys, today is going to be wonderfully encouraging and reassuring uh, that you are on the right path because you see church as God sees church. Uh, for other people, uh, this might show you where you're wandering, where you're straying, but I'm, again, confident that, that God's word will speak into your situation because uh, that's, that's what it does. It says what it says. It means what it means. There's one interpretation, but there's, there's, there are applications for all of us. And my prayer and my hope is, well, my assurance is that you see through the word of God the attitude that you need to have towards church. This is not really a negotiable uh, thing. We're going to get there. So, if you've not done already, uh, let's open up those Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. If you're following on the Bible app, the Version Bible app, this is already there for you. And uh, we said last week that Hebrews chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 10 verse 18 uh, was telling us stuff, was letting us know some stuff, was teaching the Hebrews some stuff. Why Jesus is greater than all these things. 
And then from, from, from now, chapter 10, verse 19, it starts with the word, therefore. So because of some stuff, now it's time to do some stuff. Well, we see the word therefore in the Bible, you can't just start reading there. Therefore is referencing backwards. Don't, don't just pick up stuff. Therefore, I'm going to do... So big block of teaching. Now we're going to do some stuff. And it's a, there's a strong warning coming in this next section from verse 26. But today, it's a bit of an admonition. It's a firm but still kind of friendly reminder it's a firm and friendly reminder to keep on track. We've got a, a wonderful liberty as Christians to live, with, live very freely within the lines that God sets. Uh, but it never hurts us to be reminded of the lines, does it really? Uh, so we've got the liberty to live within the lines as we like. But it's, it's a wonderful liberty within some very loving guidelines. So verses 19 to 21 really set us up for what we're going to be talking about today. So we'll read again verses 19 to 21. So Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, or maybe your Bible says, therefore, brothers and sisters. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and then we're going to do some stuff. But this 19 to 21 really sets us up. And it's saying, look, because of everything we've said, because of the fact that you are forgiven. If you weren't here last week, please listen to that message. You are forgiven. A wonderful message. Uh, not me, but the, the message of the Bible. You are forgiven. Uh, so basically, because of Jesus and how he is greater than everything, therefore, let's do some stuff. So bigger picture do what to the Hebrews, uh, do what you could never do before as individuals, as regular people. Do what you could never do before and have a personal relationship with God. You, the individual, a one on one personal relationship with God. Then the rest of this passage, uh, 22 through to 25, gives us some how to do it. But here we read, since we have confidence. And that's a truth. That's not some kind of, uh, you know, the guy from the 90s British TV. There's no Mr. Motivator going on here. It's, it's a truth. We, ha we have confidence. There's no, come on, let's, let's, let's whip ourselves up into a bit of an emotional frenzy and, and feel like we've got confidence. This is a fact. This is the truth. Since we've got confidence, let's, let's use it. Let's, let's use the confidence we've got to approach God to approach God. One other really interesting thing, we read uh, the house of God, and uh, so says Bible scholar F.F. F. Bruce, house of God is the church of God, is the body of Christ, the house of living stones, this, it's us. So we're talking straight away about church, church is there already. The Bible's really clear about what makes a church and what masquerades as a church. And uh, if that's not a, a clear distinction that you've got in, in your mind, then uh, let me buy you a coffee and talk, let's talk about church. Because any chance to talk about church uh, is, a, is a good one. So, uh, again, the confidence that we've got. We've said a couple of times the high priest who would go into the presence of God once a year would go scared 
We've got confidence. So let's put it to use is the point of this passage. Let's put this to use. Let's do some stuff. Since we've got this confidence, since Jesus is our great high priest above and over all of this and all of us, and we read three times in this passage, let us. So because of all that's come before, in particular the forgiveness, the confidence, Jesus being the great high priest, then let us. So we've got three things to, to do, let us. First one is in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So let us draw near. That's you, the individual, not through the priest, not through the, the, the high priest once here. That's you, individual, you drawing near to a righteous and holy God. So the Hebrews have been told, look, the approach now of believers, so, so you guys and us, how we approach God should be with a sincere, a true, a dependable heart, a heart that is in full assurance of faith. There's no doubt in our minds anymore. Uh, are we good enough? Have we done enough? Have we, have we sacrificed enough? Was that lamb, bird... Pinch, was that enough? Was it good enough? Was it clean enough? There's no doubt anymore because the sacrifice that Jesus made is uh, well and truly enough. Uh, good enough. And because of that, we are accepted as we are now today. Uh, we are accepted and, as we said last week, forever forgiven. And if you, if you think very logically about this, the, the encouragement to the Hebrews to draw near to God wouldn't be given to them if they didn't need it. Because God doesn't say stuff that doesn't need saying. So it's, look, you should, we're encouraged, they're being encouraged to draw near to God, therefore they, they needed to be encouraged there. And they were discouraged. They were a bit down, they were a bit sad. They had a problem and they weren't drawing near. And this was their real problem that they lost that one-on-one that -on -one relationship with God through Jesus. And as a result of that, then other more peripheral things are not going right. And they might have had other problems in their life. Uh, it's not for sure that they might have been persecuted for, for being this, uh, followers of this new way of doing things. Uh, they might have a difficult interpersonal relationships because they now believe in Jesus and other people don't. And if you've ever found yourself in that situation, that is really difficult. And that does feel like a bit of a hurdle that you're never going to get over. So they might have been persecuted. They might have had difficult relationships. They might have had a hard time really gelling or, or fitting in with the culture. And again, if you've been there, you know that as, that's, feels as real as it gets. But the core problem for this group of people was that they're not or they weren't drawing near to God based on what Jesus had done. There's still a bit of that in their mind of, well, that's great, thank you, but maybe I can add some stuff to it. Maybe I need to still go to the temple and offer a sacrifice just in case this isn't enough. And so that's why they're being encouraged, draw near. So remember, because of all that Jesus has done, Let's not forget the first 10 chapters of Hebrews. For us, never forget 
and the Hebrews never forget or fail to understand why, why this is all possible. We just sung about the church being born and why this is all possible, the first 10 chapters of Hebrews and everything that he's done. So now, now you are forever forgiven. There is full assurance, confidence for us to approach God. We're free from, from guilt and shame and thinking, oh, I'm not good enough or I can't bring enough or I'm not worthy enough. We're bold and we're confident to approach him. But we've still got that right, that right reverence. You know, we're talking about uh, God most high, creator of heaven and earth. We're not going to kick the door down and go in there and demand some stuff. So there's still, a, there's still a right reverence for, for what we're talking about. But we're bold and confident in that as individuals, as you and, and me, we can go to God in prayer and ask things of him and talk to him. And, and what a, a great privilege that is. And we read we're full in full assurance of faith, hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. We do have confidence. We are forgiven. We do have a clean conscience. We've talked about that the past few weeks. And we're sure, we're sure about what the, the writer, speaker to the Hebrews says because it's consistent with the whole counsel of God. If we're reading the Bible and we've picked out something and it's a one-time thing in the entire Bible, I'm going to suggest that it might not be what the Bible, what the Word of God is saying, but when the Bible backs up the Bible, when the Word of God teaches and explains the Word of God, we're sure, we're confident, because it's the same thing being said again and again and again. So we see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we read here, hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, bodies washed with pure water, this lines up with the, the, the full counsel, the bigger narrative of God's word that we are forgiven. That's a wonderful thing. Hearts sprinkled, bodies washed, that's that forever forgiveness. It's not temporary like we talked about the other week. It's the forever forgiveness that Jesus offers. And the outward symbol that we choose to display the inward change the, uh, the body's washed with water, is, is baptism. The, the inward change, far more important than the act of uh, baptism. But what a, what, a, what a way to display to those around you this new relationship that you've got with the risen Jesus, something that mirrors his death and resurrection. Let's be really clear. Uh, baptism doesn't... Baptism isn't your ticket to heaven. Uh, it's not salvific. It means baptism does not save you. You don't get salvation through baptism. If you're not baptized, then you're not really uh, saved. But it just it's a, it, it displays, it, it lets people know, I am in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus. I read something this week about, uh, about this drawing near. And it said, we can draw near because of a few different issues have been settled. The problem of access to God has been settled. The problem of our needing a, a high priest, a good enough high priest, has been settled. And the problem of our moral and spiritual state has been settled. And all of those things lead us to one conclusion and one place, don't they? All of those things, the access, the high priest, the moral and spiritual healing, that all takes us to Jesus. Amen? So, for you, for me, uh, the drawing near, whatever, whatever you are working through now, 
And it's that old thing of you're either in a trial, you're either just coming out of a trial, or you're about to enter a trial. So we are all going through something right now. There will almost certainly, certainly be someone in here that has been through the same thing. It's, it's such a strange, you can't say coincidence because it's very providential. Providence, not coincidence. Somebody in here will have been through the same thing. I can almost promise. Somebody will have broken the same bone in their hand that I did. It's, it's just it's providence. God organizes and orchestrates things. So, someone else, another part of this church, has been through that experience, and they will tell you no doubt that what got them through that experience was drawing near to God. And these other people that have been through the same things that you are going through, they care about helping you through it. They care about encouraging you to draw near. And we read in the Word of God that when one part of us wins, we all win. When one part of us loses, we all lose. When one is honored, we are all honored. And when one part of the body is suffering, we, are, we all suffer because we are one another. But if you're not part of something like this, if we don't have that attitude of take me to church, who is going to come alongside you and draw near with you? When you don't feel like drawing near, who's going to put an arm around you and draw you near with them? Like, let's go. We need to take this to God in prayer. If you don't feel like doing that and you're not part of a place, a body like this, who is going to draw near with you? Who is going to draw you near when you don't feel like doing it? And again, church is a special thing, church is a unique thing, and church is a holy and sacred thing. So the first thing that we do in verse 22 is to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And then in verse 23, the second thing, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Again, for, for the Hebrews, this new and uh, confident access to God that they've now got means that as a believer, so, so them and us, this confident access means that we hold unswervingly, we never let go of the hope that we profess to have. So by saying you're a Christian and by, by pleading the blood of Jesus over your sins, by saying, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus, there's this hope that we are to never, ever let go of with full confidence, full assurance in the reliability of God's promises. And we read, for he who promised is faithful. When God says something is coming, it's coming. When he's going to do something, he's going to do something. So the church of the Hebrews uh, should have been the most hope-filled place in town. Should it not? This, uh, you, me, us, should be the most hope-filled place in town. Doesn't matter what's going on in our lives, because we're all at different points of the journey. We're all working through some stuff. This should still be the most hope-filled place that we could come to in our week, ever. Because of the fact and the truth that we can enter into God's presence. Because of who Jesus is, because we can draw near to God anytime, any day, any place. 
because of those truths that are true and working in all of our individual lives, when you gather a room full of those people, again, sensible, this has to be the most hope-filled place that we could possibly ever spend time in because we've got a room full of people who have individually all got that hope. So when we all get together and start kind of iron sharpening iron and the science and the, you know, the, 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 the science things like molecules and the like, when they bounce against each other, there's more energy. And if you're into science, you probably know what I'm talking about. If not, you probably don't. It's a terrible explanation. But iron sharpens iron and science things bounce off science things and more energy is created. So when we, you know what I mean, when we're, we're all filled with this hope, we get together and it's just amplified. This should be the most hope-filled place in town again, because church is a special thing, church is a unique thing, and church is a holy and sacred thing. Amen? I'm going to say that again, periodically. About the Hebrews then, the Hebrews were discouraged, they were a bit down in the dumps, and that made them waver from the truth. So when we read stuff like, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, it's because they were wavering. They were not holding the truths of Jesus as impeccable and unbreakable and absolute. And we read, uh, without wavering, very particular word, and it carries the meaning of being absolutely straight, like a ruler, or the ruler that you use when you're building stuff with the bubble, the, the building ruler. It, without wavering means absolutely straight. So what we're doing when we hold fast our confession without wavering is being absolutely true and straight in line with the truths of the Word of God, the truths that we find in the Bible. Uh, Despite, this is so sad, despite what people will tell you, it's not up for discussion, it's not up for interpretation. It's, it, it, they mean... It means, it says what it says, it means what it means, friends, whether we like it or not, whether it challenges some part of our lifestyle or not, whether it makes us think, whoa, I need to stop doing this, or I need to start doing that. It, it says what it says, and it means what it means, and it is, it is all uh, sufficient. It's, it is. So holding... Fast without wavering is holding absolutely true to what God's Word teaches us. So we are to hold straight, and we can hold straight, as we see at the end of this verse, because he who promised is faithful. Now, and he who promised, he loves his church. He, he loves his people. And if we're really honest, we're not, we're not, we're not doing this in our own power, our own strength. Not by might, not by power. Because nobody, nobody has the personal perseverance to stand straight with all the pressures that the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to throw at us. And these haven't changed since the Hebrews were the Hebrews. They're not just a book of the Bible. Uh, the, the, the way that they are presented, the way that, how they look in our lives uh, might be a little bit different there's nothing new under the sun. The pressures that they faced, 
it's the same for us. And, and naturally in our flesh, we're, we're not. We're not going to walk this really straight line. We're not going to hold fast to these truths in our own power. But we can because he who promised is faithful and he who promised sends the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to help us to, to, to walk this line, to hold on to these truths. So the song that we referenced at the, uh, the start talks about relationships and it, it, in this song, basically, uh, we are told that the, the worldly life and the worldly church doesn't deal in absolutes. And uh, sadly, lots of well-meaning churches don't deal in absolutes uh, anymore. But Jesus prays in, in John 17, he says, Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. And John 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And again, the word there, truth, it carries the meaning. There are no partial truths. It's absolute. Sanctify them in truth. All of it, absolute truth. Your word is truth. It's, 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 there's, no, there's nothing missing. Uh, Paul, in his letters, uh, describes himself as a, as, a, as a teacher and a preacher and a, uh, of the truth. And again, there's, there's no partial truth there. The word that he chooses to use that we read, as, we read as truth, it means the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So the world doesn't deal in absolutes uh, anymore, so it seems, but Jesus and his church do. For example, you are absolutely forgiven. You are absolutely loved. You have absolute confidence to approach God. And you are to hold fast to his absolute truths absolutely. Amen? There's no partial truth. There's no little bit. There's no dipping your toe in. It's, it's, it's absolute. So, we're to draw near. We're to hold fast. And now in verses 24 and 25, let us consider let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near now this is the bit you're either going to really like this bit because you're doing this or you're not going to like this bit because you're not doing it, but we're saying it anyway. So the Hebrews then, the readers here at the time, were not to abandon meeting together as some people were doing. Brand new church, explosion of Christianity. Christianity is now a thing. And already there's some kind of defection from the ranks as such. Uh, people who thought that they could believe and be separate. I believe that stuff. I don't need to go there and do that stuff. Uh, believing makes you want to be together. That is just a truth and a fact from the Word of God. Believing makes you want to be together, not separate. Another song, uh, a guy called Jack Johnson, a song called Better Together. We, we are better together. And we've said it before, we'll say it again, that followers of Jesus, followers desire fellowship. That is just a truth from the Word of God. And the Hebrews read, discouragement made them avoid community. And how sad is that? They were down in the dumps. 
They were discouraged. There were some pressures from the world, the flesh and the devil, and they thought, okay, I'm not going to go to church then. I'm not going to go meet. I'm not going to gather with. I'm not going to assemble as the church. And so let's just think a minute. Again, there's nothing new under the sun. Has that ever been you? Have you ever avoided, on purpose, the unity that we find here because you've not been feeling like going to church? Have you ever chosen, ah, oh, now, not this week. Don't really feel like it. Have you ever decided to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Have you ever decided to neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, because you have been feeling a bit down and feeling a bit discouraged, and you think, I feel pretty rubbish. I don't want to go to church, so I won't go to church. And in there, there's lots of I. I feel, so I will. And when we do that, when we put ourselves as our, the, 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 the major authority, we put ourselves above God. I feel, so I will. And we put ourselves as the, 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 the defining authority in our own lives. And even if you do feel a bit down, even if you're feeling a bit blue, this is the, 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 the perfect, this is the place to be. A room full of hope-filled, love-filled people are going to make you feel better. Worshipping God, regardless of how you feel. Hearing from God, regardless of how you feel. That's going to make you feel better. Because Jesus meets us in and through one another. So often we see God working through his people. The church, the, the, the global uh, body of Christ of which we are but one local expression. This is God's chosen vehicle. This is how he blesses the nations, you, me, us. Now, the church is his bride. He cares for his bride. We are not called to be home alone. Again, neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you're feeling a bit down, don't really want to go to church, encouraging one another. Where does this happen? Where are you going to find the most hope-filled, drawn-near, encouraging people in town? In, in church. They are the church. Where are you going to find the, the called-out of the world people, which is what the word church actually means. People who have been called out of living the worldly life. Where are you going to find those, that kind of people in church? Because church is a special thing, church is a unique thing, and church is a holy and sacred thing. Notice with me, within this passage, 22, 23, 24, there's a very, very well-known New Testament uh, trilogy shall we say. In verse 22, there's faith. In verse 23, there's hope. And in verse 24, there's love. Faith, hope, and love. Where are you going to find the most faith-filled, hope-filled, and love-filled people in Bahrain? In, the, in, in church. 
They are the church. I read this week that love needs stimulation and society. Faith and hope you can do by yourself. You could do it on a desert island somewhere, which is kind of ironic because uh, we are. But the exercise of love is possible only in a community. And see if, you can, see if you see the irony in this. Some people only go to church if they feel like they need to go to church. Other people go to church when they're feeling good about going to church. And those two things can't go together, can they? I feel like I need to go to church. I feel like I'm, I'm good, so I'm going to church. Our motivation for fellowship, our motivation for coming here and gathering and assembling as the church, with as as the church first and foremost must be to obey God because the full counsel of his word tells us that believers gather for fellowship like this to give fellowship to each other not when we come to church we're not here to take an experience from an organization we are here to contribute to an organism let me say that again. When we come to church, we are not here to take an experience. This is not the movies. We, come, we don't take an experience from a company, from an organization. We come to give and be a part of an organism, a living body. Uh, Stan Toussaint writes that verse 25 makes it clear that failure to join with the assembly of believers indicates a spiritual problem. It could, he goes on to say, it could be in this case the beginning of apostasy, which is a, 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 an old uh, Christianese word, which means first you kind of slide, you don't really need to do that, I don't want to go there, and you reach a point where you're just saying, I don't want that anymore, I don't believe that anymore, I reject that anymore. And that starts with not being part of a body like this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's sour fellowship or bust. If you've got a slightly different flavor and you can uh, hear the Bible correctly handled and divided and taught, but you like it with a bit of a different sauce on top, then God bless you as you find that place. And I think Charles Spurgeon said something about different denominations and he said they're great because they mean that all different kinds of people will get to heaven. Everybody can, 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 can worship in a way that sits right with them. But we, we can and we should gather with believers. Because God says we should. We can and we should gather with believers to encourage someone who needs it. To encourage someone who needs to stand strong against the kind of discouragement that makes you not want to come to church. Again, we read, to stir one another up to stir up one another, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And we often, uh, we often don't think of what happens when we don't go to church. Uh, you might, you, maybe you think, you, we think in the first person, we think what I am going to miss. So I won't hear the sermon, but... I can listen to the podcast, I can read a book, I can listen to some Christian radio, or I love to sing worship music, but I can do that in the car when I am going to where I want to go. Or 
I don't have to go to a particular building to worship. And that is true, but that's an excuse to not gather. That's an excuse not to assemble. We make these excuses to justify how I can get what I am missing when I don't go to church. But there's more going on than that. It's deeper than this. We've got responsibilities to each other, to one another. We gather for our worship service. We say, see what church service starts at 10. We are one another. And you can't encourage people you just don't see. The difference in how we view this is massive. One is a consumer thing. I can get that elsewhere. I don't, I don't need to go there because I can get it somewhere else. And another is the, the mindset of a believer. I want to gather with others. I want to worship God with God's people. I want to contribute to the organism of the church with my presence. And uh, in the New Testament, Paul thinks about the church as a, as a body. As a, as a family and as a temple. And each of those things show us how much we need one another. So if we're a body and you don't come, we're missing a body part. If it's a family and you don't come, there's an empty seat at the table. And if we're a, if we're a temple, if we're a living house, of, if we're a house of living stones, as Peter writes, when you don't come, we're missing a brick in the wall. So we're, we're weaker when you don't come to church. Just think about this. All of us are going to leave Bahrain at some point. And people probably, as much as I'd like to think, people probably are not going to remember the, the particular sermon from a particular Friday. If I asked you all, what did I preach on on Friday the 28th of June? So only three months ago. Most people have got some like sheepish look because you've got no idea what I preached about on Friday the 28th of June. It was Hosea. <laughs> I think. So the, <laughs> it was. We started the Minor Prophet series. Uh, anyway, so people are not going to remember the message. Might remember some pithy sayings that help you get back to the Bible. But what they will remember is the encouragement that they got or didn't get from being here. If somebody's coming to church and they know you and they know you come to church and they're looking for you because they've had a tough week, they don't really want to talk about it. They just want to kind of just want to stand near you and be around you and kind of shoot the breeze with you. But being with you is encouraging to them because you they know that you love them. They know that you care about them. And they know that even if you kind of give them a little look of like, you know, I've kind of had a bad week... Somebody's going to put a hand on you. Somebody's going to pray with you. That's what people will remember when they leave here. Not the particular sermons. Not the songs that we sing. They're going to remember the the encouragement that they get or don't get from from being here. Again, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. And you know, some people are going to say, well, I go to a Christian breakfast once every six weeks. I am part of a WhatsApp group attached to a home growth group. So, you know, 
I'm kind of kind of getting together. And again, uh, meet together. In Greek, it's one word, and it's a formal religious gathering. Worship meetings. It's, it's this. This is what the writer to the Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is talking about. Don't neglect to be part of a church. The formal, organized gathering and assembling of a church. So our home growth group is good. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not church. If you don't go to church because you want to do a home group instead, no, that's not what this is talking about. Don't neglect to meet together is this. We gather, we assemble as us. That's what it's talking about. How many people take vitamin tablets and supplements? I'm taking them like M&Ms since I've broken this. They are supplements to your diet. If all you took were synthetic vitamins, uh, you wouldn't be very healthy. A, a home group is a supplement to your consistent and steady diet. It's a great supplement. You should all be part of something, but it's not it. Watching sermons from your favorite preacher on YouTube is good, uh, if they're biblically sound. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but that's not church. You and your laptop is not church. Reading devotionals is good. Listening to podcasts is good. Reading uh, Bible app plans where you jump around through the Bible and find out what the Bible says about X, Y, and Z is good. We, we offer those things. We provide those things for you. But they're supplements. That's not your entire Christian diet. None of those things are going to give you a hug when you feel sad, are they? None of those things are going to help you with your day-to-day -day life when you need help. None of those things are going to drive to your house when they hear that you're, you've had a tough time. None of those things are going to drive to your house and see how you're doing. None of those things are going to rearrange the schedule and drop what they're doing to drive you somewhere. They can't, can they? None of those things are going to bake you a cake because they heard that you're having a tough week. This church does, church does that stuff for each other. It amazes me every time somebody needs the, the slightest bit of help. The response is massive. And that's what happens here. None of those things, the podcast, the laptop, the, the neglecting to meet together, none of those things are going to call you up and offer you uh, a spontaneous word of encouragement because the Holy Spirit has prompted them to do that. But church does. Church is a special thing. Church is a unique thing. And church is a holy and sacred thing that we must not neglect to be a part of. Amen? We see at the end of this passage that this, this phrase, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And this tells us really simply, the longer we live, the longer we are in relationship with Jesus, the more we should be doing. It's a progressive thing. They're building blocks. We should want to be at everything, every time, with everybody. Now, practically, you are never going to be at 
every growth group, every fellowship event, every Friday service. But is that your intention? Given a choice, do you choose church and everything that the church is? Given a choice, do you choose church? If you've said yes to Jesus, you've said yes to church. The two cannot be divorced. So, why do I need to go to church? To fill our hearts with full assurance of faith. To strengthen our hands to hold fast to that confession. And to consider, to think deeply about how to stir up one another to love and good works. Last week we talked about head and heart and hands. And here we're filling our hearts, we're strengthening our hands, and we're considering, thinking about each other. Again, it's head, heart, and hands. All of these things are communal. There is just no option for solo Christianity. It's not a thing. And again, we're to encourage each other because we are each other. We are one another more and more and more and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we'll end with this. N.T. Wright wrote that every Christian who comes through the door in the place of worship is a real encouragement to everyone else who is there. Amen? Every person who comes through the door to gather and assemble as this church is a real encouragement to everybody else who is here. And that is absolutely why we must have that attitude of take me to church. Amen? So we'll spend some time now praying, and uh, as we do, we'll invite the worship team to come forward. And uh, let's just spend a minute or so in, in personal prayer and really pause and, and really think, do we have this attitude of take me to church? Given the choice, do we choose church and all that the church represents? So we'll take a moment or so in personal prayer, and, uh, and then we'll... We'll close and we'll, we'll pray together. And I'm going to invite you to join me in raising a holy hand in prayer.